Welcome back to Lexi's Lounge, your home for mind, body, business, and marketing. Today on the show, we have Natalie Orr, who's a life coach who specializes in perfectionism. And boy, does this episode get spicy. I was out of town while I recorded this, so the sound quality is a little bit less on this episode, but nonetheless, great value. So let's get started. Natalie, welcome to Lexi's Lounge. What are you drinking today? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am currently drinking um, a herbal tea. It's aniseed and um, manthania. What is that in English? Chamomile. I always forget because I buy this stuff in Spanish and then I'm like, what's the translation? That's it. It's oh. chamomile and aniseed. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Where, where do you live? I'm in Madrid. Yeah, so I'm from the UK, but I live in Madrid. Yeah, Spain has been home for me now for nearly 10 years. So I'm very settled here. I love the Spanish life. But as you see, sometimes I get confused with what language I'm speaking. <laughs> Well, that's, that's amazing because that means you're bilingual and not a lot of people really? can say that. <laughs> I don't use that word because I'm like, you know, I still make mistakes and stuff, but yeah, I, I'm able to live my life in Spanish, which is now that I'm not a perfectionist anymore. I'm like, that's good enough. <laughs> Wait, so I'm really interested. So when you talk to me in English, you sound like you have a, what's the accent? Is it British? Is that? Yeah, exactly. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you speak Spanish, do you speak that in a British accent? I really try not to. And most people say they find it really difficult to place me. Um, so they're kind of like, I can tell you're foreign, but I'm not sure where you're from. Some people guess I'm French. I've even had people guessing that I'm Italian, although my accent is definitely not Italian. Um, but I think it might have to do with the fact that So my mom is from Cyprus. It's a a little country, an island in the Mediterranean. And they have a kind of similar way of like rolling the R's and other little things in the accent, which I picked up when I was younger. So I can do them. You know, it's really hard to learn the accent when you're an adult, I think. Like you can learn the grammar, you can learn the vocab, but the accent is slightly harder. So like, I definitely don't sound Spanish, but people can't immediately tell. And sometimes it takes them like a couple of sentences to realize, oh, she's not from here. Cause also I kind of look Spanish, you know, just typical like brown hair, brown eyes, etc. So it takes them a good second and then they're like, hold on. <laughs> um, but no, I, I mean, hopefully this is my hope. A lot of people don't mind to have their accent, but I try and blend in <laughs> as much as I can. <laughs> okay. So I'm really interested to hear, would you be willing to say something like, or do you know how to say this in Spanish? Like I'm on Lexi's lounge podcast, but say it in Spanish, but with your British accent. Ooh. Okay. Or something with else. With a British accent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's but do in it. Spanish. Okay. Estoy en el podcast de Lexi y estamos hablando ahora. <laughs> I'll go see. I love that. I feel something like that. Like so that. Sexy. <laughs> it's like you had the British twist, but you also have it in <laughs> I've never done that before. That was really funny. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited. Um, For this conversation today, we are talking about perfectionism and everything that encompasses it. We're just going to kind of let the conversation flow. But before we dive into that, can you tell me a little bit about you and your background and what brought you to where you are now? Sure. Okay. So my training, like my degree is in dance and I've been a dancer and dance teacher for most of my life, um, both in in Leeds, in London and in Madrid. And um, I also have a master's in dance anthropology. So anthropology being like the study of human beings, um, which wasn't practical. It was theoretical, but I've kind of based a lot of my thinking from doing that master's. um, And that has kind of led me into doing work in the professional development world on perfectionism a mixture of both of those things looking at like human beings in the general and also then all the stuff in the personal development world which I know you know all about as well (laughs) so um yeah my background is in dance and you know I've done loads of different styles um, I trained mainly in contemporary um, and then I actually ended up working more in Latin dance styles which is also another reason why I wanted to move to Spain to learn Spanish because all the music I was listening to and dancing to like salsa, bachata, reggaeton like all of that was in Spanish and I was like I don't know what they're saying <laughs> so I was like let me go learn Spanish in Spain and then I stayed there because I just love it um, 
so yeah that's kind of like my dance journey and then much later when I was 26 I think so I'm 34 now just for reference and um, when I was 26 I started ballet again which I hadn't trained in properly since just being a very little girl I stopped when I was nine Um, I think you know quite a lot of adult dancers who I who I now dance with have a similar story where they're like yeah I used to do all the typical you know either like ballet or tap or that kind of thing and then they come back to it later as adults when they realize like it's never too late um, and so <laughs> I actually trained at the conservatoire here in Madrid um, and that was really the first place where I started to realize how much perfectionism was sabotaging my life. So it was through dance that I kind of had that realization and then I started to see it in all of the areas showing up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. That's really interesting. I love that you gave mm -hmm. a ton of context on how you got to where you are now because if someone were to say, I found out that I was a perfectionism from dance, I'd be like, what? Yeah, so, it sounds weird, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where were you, where was the first, do you remember the moment when you first found out or you first realized that you were a perfectionist because of, or from <laughs> dancing? Mm. Um, it was definitely, for me, it was a process um, because for a long time, and a lot of perfectionists probably will resonate with this, I saw perfectionism as a good thing, not as a bad thing, right? It was even something that I don't know if you guys get told this in the States, but in the UK, sometimes when you're doing like careers training or whatever, they'll tell you in an interview when they ask you what are your weaknesses, you can say perfectionism as if that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, so I had this idea of like, well, yeah, I'm kind of a perfectionist, but it's just serving me and it's great and it's making me successful and it's making me like very detail oriented and all these other things. Um, <clears throat> So it wasn't like a one moment where I kind of realized, oh my God, I'm a perfectionist. And now what do I do? It was a, it was a slower shift um, for me, but a lot of it interestingly came from like the work that I was doing on, on myself or the personal development work um, and getting really into that world. And it just so happened that the dance studio was the first place I was able to see it. But I think that the actual process of being able to identify it in a different way came from my personal development work. That was just, you know, me by myself, like doing, you know, listening to podcasts, watching interviews, all the stuff that I'm sure all your audience already does. Um, and just actually being able to see it in those moments. But the main thing that really made me be aware of it was having done a bit of work on myself around like happiness and enjoyment and fun. It was, a, it was the question of like, why am I doing this thing that I claim to love, which is dance. It's the thing that I've always said I wanted to do, et cetera. And why is it now that in the ballet studio, all I'm seeing is my mistakes. All I'm doing is criticizing myself, saying how I'm not good enough yet, not actually letting myself enjoy the process of the dancing, which is the whole reason why I wanted to do it anyway. Um, and so that was the thing, adding those two things together. So it was like the personal work I'd done outside, then allowing me to see like how that was actually sabotaging my work in the studio um, and how I was showing up as a dancer that was those two things coming together. So it wasn't really an exact move. It was certainly like a year. And I'd say that year was probably like four years ago now. Um, and then since then I've like trained as a, a life coach, et cetera, as well. Cause once I, when, you know, once you see this stuff and once you realize how powerful it is, you're like, I, I have to share this. Like you feel an obligation, <laughs> like more people need to know this because life can be so much more enjoyable. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I've kind of had that same thing. Not I feel like I've noticed in some areas I'm super perfectionist, but in other areas, I'm just kind of like almost lazy with it. Um, but what you said about how, when you discover things about yourself and how you, when you realize how powerful the shifts were, it's like, I have to share with everybody. That's exactly yeah. why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because I had yes. this, like in my life, I had a moment a year where I was at literal rock bottom, like just the worst people pleaser. I'd self-sabotage myself all the time, procrastinating big time. Like, you know, when you are in a conversation and you're talking to someone and then you leave it and you just feel disgusting about how you like talked about people, how you held yourself and did all those things. I was at that point where it was just like anything I did, I just did not like my life. And so once I pulled myself out of there and created this new life that I'm absolutely loving. I'm like, okay, I have to share this with people because once you're out of that part, then you can kind of see where everybody else is kind of stuck in this loop. In yeah. 
vortex that they don't even know they're in. And you're like, okay, I know I can't control you, but I'm going to start trying to plant seeds of like, your life can be different. You can do this. And a lot of that for me has been mindset work. And that's why I talk about mindset so much because your mindset can, if I can give you all the strategy in the world, marketing wise, right. But if your mindset is telling you that you're a piece of shit and you can't do it and whatever, (laughs) then you're not going to, you know? So that's, that's why it's so important to me. But for people that are listening and who are like, you know, I'm, I'm not a perfectionist or maybe they haven't realized it yet, or maybe they think it's a good thing. What does perfectionism look like? Like, how does it manifest? Yeah. Such a great question and definitely not one answer. Like there are definitely lots of different answers. And as you said, like you see it showing up in some areas and not others. That's the same for everyone. So like we'll all have places where we're a little bit more perfectionist and a little bit less. Um, It is something that tends to affect women a little bit more, although it's, you know, no, no, like strong division or anything like that. We, as I said, we all have a little bit here and there. So some of the tendencies to watch out for, and we can talk about this, in general and then we can also if you want to get more specific of how it shows up for entrepreneurs um because they might be like slightly different but let's start on the on the general so just for anyone listening um a few things you can watch out for are number one comparison and competition so like feeling like other people around you you're somehow in like this game against them that's the perfectionism showing up because it's basically putting us in a hierarchy where we're trying to aim for this one thing that's perfection, right? And we're comparing, well, where am I then in comparison to everyone else on this scale that is literally a linear scale, instead of seeing everyone as just like a unique human being doing what they're supposed to be doing. And there's no competition really, unless, you know, you're choosing to play a sport or something like that. Of course, competition's fun in, in those places. But, you know, if you're, if you're someone who feels like, you know, you look at other people perhaps in the same career as you or in the same sector as you, or even if you go, this is a really silly example, but even if you go into a bar where there's a lot of other like attractive women and you feel less because of that, you know, it's that kind of mindset where it's like, you're not less, like you're the same as you were when you walked into that bar, but there's something in our mindset that's telling us we have to rank ourselves against each other because there's a like a story of what perfection is and so we're always trying to see well how close am i to that perfection that doesn't exist basically so that's a really good one to start off (laughs) the comparison game yeah (laughs) i think we all have fallen victim to that at some point oh my gosh but then i feel like everybody's version of perfect is different you know so true as well some people can be like, oh, Kim K is my, like, I want to look just yeah. like her. And other people are like, I love Jennifer Lawrence and I want to look just like her, you know? So it's so right. interesting how that, <laughs> yeah. how that comes up. It's so true. And, but the commonality, so like whether you think, yeah, exactly. Whether you're like, oh, it's Kim Kardashian or it's Kate Moss or it's whoever, um, it's still the same It's still the same live, the perfection though, right? Where it's like, but this is the ideal for me instead of being like, this is who I admire and who I would like to look like or whatever it is. And at the same time, I accept that all these other versions of what a female should look like are equally valid. You know, it's that thing. So it's like, we get perfectionism 1.0, perfectionism 2.0, instead of being like, let's just let go of all of these and just say like, you can be you. And as long as you're working towards, you know, basically honoring your truth and, hopefully sharing some of your magic or some of your gifts with the world like that's that's kind of the thing that we should be aiming for rather than this external like looking outside of ourselves and like who do I need to be more like who do I need to be more like and like everyone who's not aiming to be like that person well they're less than you know this is and this is really really hard for perfectionists to to accept and usually I come to this later in in the conversation but I feel like let's just go there which is that this is really about superiority for us because we bought into the lie that we are superior or inferior depending on who we are as a person. So it's really dark when we recognize that in ourselves as perfectionists. It's so horrible to actually admit, yeah, the reason that I have been chasing all these qualifications or like, 
whatever, like over exercising or under eating or, or what, or whatever it is, there's a million ways that we do this to ourselves. But the, the real reason was that I was trying to feel superior to other people. Cause that was the only way that I knew how to feel safe. That is so deep. I love it. My mind is just like so many different places. Okay. So my first question that pops into my mind is where does this usually start? Is it something that's kind of wired in our brains or is it the way we were raised or is it just society's unrealistic? Pre- like, what is it? Where does it come from? Yes. Yeah, such a good question. So, um, I don't think it's hardwired. Like there are definitely systems in place that make it kind of possible that we go there quite easily, but it's definitely not hardwired. So I think a lot of it for a lot of us starts in schools. And then on top of that, some people will have like experiences, whether with their parents or other caregivers or whether, you know, a little bit later with a boyfriend or a boss or whatever, where we're just basically told we're not good enough. So there, there are those moments and we'll each have like different ones of those depending on who we are. But if we just take school for an example, because that's something lots of us have in common, we have this like basically false idea of how the world is going to be because of how school is, which is that there is a right and a wrong answer. And if you get the wrong answer, you're not as good as other people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that makes so much sense. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, it's, oh. and that's the thing because it's so like, we all share this base. We all share this base of like, Oh my God, I have to get the right answer. Otherwise I'm not as good as everyone else. And so we think that as we go out into the adult world, that that same thing still applies where it's like, there's a right and a wrong. And so if I'm not doing the right thing, then I'm wrong. And therefore anyone you know, especially as a perfectionist, as you get going and you, you find some success because usually perfectionists are very competent at what they do because they're so afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually means that then we start to look at everyone else's wrong and ourselves as right. And so it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's a lot to it. Like this goes, it can go as deep or as shallow as we want, but hey, oh. hey we've already gone pretty deep already. I, I love, I love deep. If, if anybody who listened to this podcast knows, like, let's go as philosophically <laughs> deep as possible. And that's the beautiful thing. I love that too. It, right. It's like something I've learned in my healing journey is everybody, their perception of the world and the way they see the world and the lens they look out into the world, the way they perceive situations or people, or it is all based on the way they were brought up, what their childhood was like, what lived experiences they had, what traumas they had. There's so many things. And so it would be completely asinine to think that there is a right and wrong just because Susie thinks this way. And then Josh thinks that way. You know, exactly. It, it just blows my mind because in America, we have, let's talk politically for a second. We have Republicans and Democrats, and now there's um, Libertarian, which is like kind of in the middle of that. Usually it's like, like right now, it's so polarizing. Like people are like, if you're on the right, you're wrong. Or if you're on the left, you're wrong. And it's like, It's all up to personal preference. Again, the way we see the world, the lens we see it through is from all the things that we have been through. So for somebody who identifies as like a Republican to say that they're completely wrong because you're on the left, like that makes no sense. Or vice versa to say that a Republican's wrong because you're on the left. Or if you see a certain situation that you you think strongly one way about, and if they think another way, they're automatically an insert name here. You know, it just blows my mind because there's so many, there's so much nuance, right? And people understand things differently. And it is a hundred percent possible to understand both sides, right? Yeah. Have to absolutely just understand. Yes. And this brings me on to another thing about perfectionists. But just before I go back to the individual, let's talk about collective perfectionism, because that's kind of what you're getting at here, which is the fact that like, okay, we've been raising a school system, which promotes perfectionism within a whole population, a whole country, a whole, you know, all of the Western world, and probably even more than that. So this is, you know, a big thing. (laughs) And here we have this example of like, well, you've got perfectionists on both sides of that spectrum. That's the thing. We don't understand that 
on the experience of both of those positions is, is the same type of thinking, but the context looks different or the content, I should say, the content looks different, but it's the similar way of thinking, which is that I'm right and you're wrong. And this has to be followed exactly as I'm doing it. And it can't be any other way. And that's the same on both sides, right? Instead of being like, and here's where we come back to the individual as an individual being strong enough to actually disappoint people and move away from the narrative that you've been handed, either through your family or your friends or, or the society or whatever it is, and actually say like, you know what, I agree with this policy on that side and I agree on that policy on the other side. And on this certain thing, I agree with these people on that thing. I actually agree with those other people. But that takes moving away from perfectionism and going into this murky water of like, I'm just a flawed human being trying to do my best as everyone else is and seeing and seeing people in that way rather than the judgmental way. And yeah, just kind of allowing for multiple realities at the same time. Ooh, that I, I you know, I think there would be so much healing in the world if we all allowed people to have their own reality. And instead of trying to point the finger and be like, you're wrong and I'm right. Be like, okay, well maybe I don't know everything. Maybe let me listen to your perspective and try to understand where you're coming from instead of automatically sitting in this conversation, trying to be right, you know? And I think, I think perfectionism, you tell me what you think about this. I think perfectionism, I think cancel culture is perfectionism like manifested, right? Because it's so weird to me because what I think I hate cancel culture. Like I absolutely hate it. We are all flawed human beings. Like you said, we all see the world through different things. We all understand the world differently and to not allow people the opportunity to change or have grace. Like in my opinion, no good comes from when you shame somebody you're not going to get real change. You're going to get fake apologies. You're going to get whatever just to get you off their back. So in my perception, if someone's doing something that I don't like, that I fundamentally disagree with, I just don't go there. If they're a business, I won't shop there, but I'm not going to go online and be like, Hey, do this. Don't, don't shop there, you know, trash their building, what, whatever. I don't, I don't care because I know I'm not a perfect human, but I'm not going to go try to make somebody else live up to my expectations of what they should be doing. I I agree with you. I totally agree. The only place where like maybe me and you might differ just like on an individual level is like I would still perhaps say something some of the time. Um, But now what I've learned from, because I'm not a people pleaser. So like, it's really weird because like, yes, I was a perfectionist, but I've never been a people pleaser. I'm quite assertive. And I'm more on the other side where I like expect people to do the stuff how I want it done. And um, so I had to really heal that in myself. <laughs> um, but this, this, this healing need, needed to be done on both sides, right? Of the like trying to please people to basically get them to see you how you want to be seen. And then the telling people to do stuff that you want them to do so that you feel okay instead of thinking about them as well. Anyway, that's another, another conversation. But, um, but the difference is detaching from the result. So I can go to a company or a person who I disagree with and be like, listen, I disagree because of this, 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 and this. And then I leave it there. You know, that's the difference. Detaching from the perfectionism of them them trying to convince them or force them or control them or manipulate them or influence them, whatever. I'm allowed to say my piece and then just leave it there. Come back into like my own reality and stay here. So you know, I think the conversation should be open. It's not that we can't, because we, we also can't go too far the opposite way, which is to say everyone should be able to live how they want. And that's the end, because the reality is we have to share this world. Like there's too many human beings now to be able to just be like, everyone just do what you want, because some people use up all the resources and then other people don't have enough. Some people encroach on other people's territories. And, you know, so still the, the difficult conversations need to be had. But exactly like you said, cancel culture does not allow the conversations. It shuts down the conversations, the really important conversations that need to be had. Um, and as you said, you know, this really comes down to the fact that it's so ironic because the people doing the cancel culture are also the people who are doing this to themselves. They are self-censoring. They are not forgiving themselves. They are shaming themselves for the parts of them that they don't like, that they see reflected in this other person. They're like, well, I managed to control it. You should manage to control it. Uh, Instead of understanding that we have to integrate these things. We can't, 
just push them to one side and pretend they don't exist. And this is really, you know, I love talking about um, perfectionism in, in culture because it's so rampant. And this is a really, really good example where we see, you know, this idea that people are either good or bad. And it's, it's understandable because, listen, we kind of got told in school that things are right or wrong. And especially, you know, for, for a lot of cultures that um, come from like a Christian faith. And here's another thing. We can all agree that anyone can worship however they want to, as long as they're not, you know, doing harm to others. But there is a division also in a few religions that's really about right and wrong instead of this integration of the fact that we're a little bit of both. You know, we're not this perfect being made in the eyes of God and, you know, completely perfect. And then there are just evil people who are on Satan's side. You know, that's too much of a simplification of human beings. Um, And again, it doesn't mean that we can't worship in any way that we would like to, but we have to just be aware of like, where have these stories gone too far? Where have we taken them to mean something that they didn't actually mean, you know, in the first place? And we have to come back to the fact that like we are biological beings, the same as, you know, if anyone has a pet, you know, (laughs) there are some things about us that are similar to the animals that we love and we look after. And we don't say, you know, when our dog does something silly or whatever, we don't say like, this is an evil dog. We're like, he had, he or she had a reason for doing this. What is it? They're tired. They're hungry. They didn't get to play today or whatever it is. And we look for like, okay, what was the reason for that? But we somehow we don't afford that same like compassion to human beings when it's like we're animals too. Obviously we're, you know, emotionally intelligent, et cetera, kind of animal. But, you know, I think it's a good place to just remind ourselves to come back to that we all have the capacity to get angry. We all have the capacity for revenge. We all have the capacity to divide. We all have the capacity to X, Y, Z, all these things. Now the question is, how often do you want to do that? Not because it's perfect or imperfect, but because what's the results you want in life? You know, like, you know, there are plenty of reasons why I could get angry at my husband, but now I choose not to because it's not the result that I want. And not because maybe he you know, never deserves it. I don't believe in that anyway, but you know, it's learning to take responsibility for our own stuff instead of projecting it out onto other people. I, it's so interesting how we give people the same amount of grace that we give ourselves. Yeah. So so true for, for example, like my mom, I'm, I can be really, really hard on her, but I realize it's because I'm really hard on myself. And it's so interesting how in the world, people are like pointing fingers at everybody else. Like you should be doing this. You, 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 you. But when have they stopped to look inside? Mm-hmm. And like, well, what am I doing? What, what are the thoughts that I'm having? What am I putting out into the world? Because regardless of what Susie says that you don't like, you are still responsible for your reactions, your responses, what you yeah. put out there, the things that you put on the internet. Like, the, I was in the store the other day and I saw this tabloid about Tom Cruise that was like from total hottie to total loser. And I was like, isn't that so like, that's a human. That's yeah. so rude. You know, could yeah. you imagine if that was you? I don't care if you don't agree with his religion, his yeah. marriages, his personal life, mm-hmm. anything about him. Like most mm-hmm. people don't even know him in real life. On a yeah, so level. True. But yeah. I'm like, imagine if that was you you had a, they took an ugly picture of you. They put it on a newspaper and called you a loser. Like, how would you feel about that? Yeah. If we, if we all really just focused on ourselves and really made an effort to constantly be better ourselves and work on ourselves and then work on the things that we are putting out into the world. Yeah. And especially like, just to add on to that specifically for perfectionists, because um, I think that would make some change. Perfectionists can waves. do all the things. Like they can keep getting better. They can keep working towards. They can keep focusing on themselves. But for you people specifically, you need to work also simultaneously on self-compassion and self-forgiveness and giving yourself permission to do the things that you enjoy and that you need, like rest, like fun things. That's really important because you know. I mean, that, that advice is good for everyone. Like where, you know, think about yourself, keep improving, grow, etc. Um, but I've seen how perfectionists take that run with it, but don't do the other inner work, the other side of that inner work. 
you know, which is, which is that part, which is the part where you start to say, yes, I am enough already. It's not that I'm not enough and I have to, I have to grow because otherwise I'm not enough. It's that I'm already enough. And from that place, now I get to choose from a place of joy rather than a place of fear or not enoughness. What do I want to do with my life? It's like you said, okay, how am I going to serve? How do I want to help? What do I want to create? What do I want to do? And a really big thing for perfectionists is that we stay for so much of our lives in proving mode. I have like a little phrase, which is stop proving, start serving, keep learning. Um, and this is like specifically for perfectionists because so much of the time we don't give our gifts because we don't think we're yet ready to give them or we're not deserving to give them or like, who am I to give something when I'm not perfect yet? And other people are like hey, X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, and so I think at the same time as we're doing the work on growth and on, you know, making ourselves better people, which is wonderful. And I think we'll always do that as perfectionists. It's really important to sometimes also slow down in that process to appreciate all the stuff that you've already done to understand um, what external pressures you're putting on yourself that aren't from you. Cause that's another thing. Like we don't realize how much of the proving is not because we think we need to do it. It's because we've been told at some other point that we needed to do it and we're still carrying that stuff when we could just put it down like it's just, it's just time to put that stuff down and be like okay what have I got right now today right this very second how are the ways I could help someone what are the gifts that I've got to give um even if it's like and this is not to to make this seem less but like oh my goodness what about the gifts that we give as a mother as a sister as a best friend as a wife as a girlfriend um, as a pet owner, a pet mom, whatever. Like this isn't even just about the really big things. And I think as perfectionists, we, we look at those big goals. We look like at the, what's the end thing that I'm aiming for? What's that ideal? What's that perfect that when I get there, that's when I'm going to be happy. Instead of being like, no, wait, I can find happiness today in serving like literally the people that are in my house right this very second. When people start doing inner work on themselves and they're like, you know, I feel like I'm in a really good place and da, da, da a lot of times they start projecting that onto other people. Like, well, why aren't you doing inner work? Why aren't you doing this? Yeah. Why aren't you shifting your mindset? What mindset? Why aren't you doing yeah. that? <laughs> but I think it goes back to what you said about serving. So with the stuff that you and I have learned internally, it's not about trying to make other people like you have to be like this too. And you have to do that. But it's like, it's like, okay. It's like the gospel I'm thinking, right? When people are like, I heard the good news about the word, you know, and then they, they go share it with everybody. It's not like you have to do this. You have to be like that. You have to do this. Right. Yes, exactly. That's it. It's the attachment to the result. So it's like, go shout about that thing. Go share that thing. Go be the joy, be the light, like do that thing. And then come back home to yourself. And don't wait for those other people. Like they are on their own journey. Like we don't get to tell people like when they have to reach this thing or et cetera. And like, I have to do this work on myself all the time as a coach because I, I want for my clients, I'm like, you're nearly there. Like, let's go. And I'm like, no, Natalie, they're on their own journey. Like you share what you have to share. You support them in the way that you can. You encourage them. And then you step back and you let people go on their own journeys. But I have to really do like a lot of inner work on myself and that because you know, and I was laughing before when you were, when you were saying about once we'd done the work of like wanting other people to do the work, cause that was a hundred percent me with my husband, like two years, two or three years ago when I started, um, you know, started coaching and stuff. And I was like, come on, like it's time you can do some of this stuff as well. Um, and it's, you know, from letting go of the perfectionism, it's like, no, no, Natalie, like he gets to be who he is, where he is now. And it's your choice to either accept that or not you know, that's your, that's what's in your control. Mm -hmm. You don't have any, like, stop trying to control him. And I told you before, like, I, I've been the person, I'm an old, I'm the oldest of three kids. So like, I was always bossing my younger siblings around. And I've always had that like kind of bossy, controlling, influential thing that I, I had to learn to really control that and let go of that. And the perfectionism was not, not helpful. <laughs> that's a weird combination. Um, or an intense combination, I should, should say, but it's exactly what you said, that when we get to the point of understanding that just because we've understood something, just because we've learned something, just because it's working for us, 
we can share that we can lead by example and that's a very different approach from telling other people what to do or how to do it like it's so different yeah. <laughs> I'm still working on that me I too. mean I think it's, we're always constantly evolving I don't think it's ever going to be like a, okay I've made it I'm at the place mm -hmm. where you know yeah. I'm perfect it's like our life is a journey. Like I think about it as like a hiking trail, right? There's like so many different paths that you can go on, you know, and to try to pull somebody down our path and be like, see, it's working for me. It's it might not work yeah. for them because again, the lens so they see the world through is completely different. And I, I've done that too, where I've, you know, healed from a certain area, got out of a certain situation in my life. And now I'm like, okay, well, I see you're there too. And we were there together and I'm going to show you how to get out, you know, but at the mm -hmm. end of the day, the affirmation that I literally say out loud and I give myself now is I release the outcome. I really, I'm not, responsible. Yes. I'm not responsible for the outcome in certain situations, but I release mm -hmm. the outcome because then you really like, you're mm -hmm. telling yourself like I'm detached from it, you know? And I think that's where yeah. it gets super murky is when we're let's use like biblical for example so i i believe in god mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it would be like me going and being like hey here's god's word and if you don't immediately jump on board then you're going to hell it's like what? that's it it's, it's yeah. so it's so bizarre to me and i know that like a lot of people in under the guise of religion they do that and and they don't let people find it for themselves and that's where really the power is in it because you can tell somebody mm -hmm, you have to come mm -hmm. here you have to do this you have to come here you have to do this but if they don't actually feel called to do it like in their chest like it's in their throat in their chest in their intuition and it's like a all in hell yes and you're just kind of pulling them along like come with me come on then it's not going to be genuine it's not going to be real and i think my biggest point here is we should be able to find success and happiness and joy in the fact that we shared the good news yes whether that be yes. re, re, anything religious or what we're doing in our work or a mindset shift that we had or a certain affirmation that changed my life the fact that you are like regurgitating it and putting it out into the world that's good enough that's good enough yeah, and then other, other people get to decide what they want to take and run with and what they want to implement but yeah i totally agree and like i think that's similar with a lot of different religions that thing of really wanting to like share because when something is so like fundamental to you like you feel it's kind of like what we said about the coaching it's like well this is work for me i want to share it um but the people who come to you like that they get to choose that right like our clients get to choose to work with us or to work with someone else or to not work with anyone and that's like their choice and like i think it's the same whether it's religion whether it's coaching whether it's therapy whether it's you know medical decisions whether it's your ideology whether it's what political party you support all of these things for me the best way i understand now is to lead by example and like you said release the outcome mm -hmm. so it's like i get to shine the light i get to show the way and then you know also understanding at the same time as i've done that that it's that what i'm doing is not perfect it's just something that i personally love I had to do this with dance for me as well. Like this might seem like a really weird comparison, but like you see this in dance as well. Some people who dance certain styles think like, well, this is the peak of physical fitness. Like say it's ballet, for example, ballet very much goes with perfectionism um, you know, and looking down on all the other dance styles or thinking like, oh, well, they're not as good or they don't serve a purpose or whatever. Um, and just honoring the fact that all of these dance styles can exist at the same time. And you don't say to someone, you have to dance salsa or you have to learn how to do Irish dancing or whatever it is. It's like, no, you choose the dance that you enjoy and that works for you. And if you want to do more than one, you can also do that. And without us being like, you're a traitor, like how dare you dance ballet and salsa? And it's like, well, but they serve different parts of me. That's the thing of coming back to the fact that we're multifaceted, complicated human beings with different emotions, with different needs, with different, you know, likes and dislikes. Um, and that's messy. And I think for perfectionists, we don't like that mess because it makes us feel out of control. And, so, and for some of us, it makes us feel unsafe, you know, for good reasons, because that messiness in our childhood or, or a bit later, that really was a threat to us. But as, as adults, it's our job to make ourselves feel safe. Um, and part of that starts in the body, at least for me, that was, you know, what I had to learn is, you know, the typical things, but 
the breathing, the connecting to my body, like realizing where I'm holding tension and then understanding that that tension is just left over from something else in the day. And this thing that's going on right now in the present moment, isn't making my stomach feel in or not, that knot was already there. And I'm associating it now with what I'm doing. So like coming back to me, this is what I meant by like coming home and like my home is my body. My home is not my imaginary life that I'm living, you know, the narrative in my head or that, that movie that we've got going on all day of like <laughs> telling ourselves a story of our own life, but actually just like, what's the reality right now? Where am I? How am I feeling? Am I holding tension? Am I hot? Am I cold? Do I need a drink of water? Like, am I hungry? You know, just, it sounds so basic, but like looking after ourselves as we would look after our children. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that we, a lot of us and as a culture have lost the god-given ability to just sit here like sometimes just sitting here and people call it like meditation or mindfulness or whatever but mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i challenge you if you're listening to this go sit in a room set a timer five minutes look at every thought that goes across your mind like a cloud and just let it go and it can be really 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 hard because a lot of times we grab on that yeah. first thought and we're like "Ooh, that's an ugly thought or oh well this person said that and we like rerun all these narratives in our head and it's it can be really challenging but when we start developing in a, a relationship with ourselves like our intuition a lot of people think that just by talking like right now, this, this is me, this is myself, this is my relationship. But have you ever stopped and listened to your internal guidance, mm -hmm, internal mm -hmm. knowing? I think a lot of like the projection of this is right versus this is wrong that goes into perfectionism is about when we want other people to come along with us and do it, it's because we want to feel that we're right. When we grab yeah. them we bring them in with us and we don't want to be alone because it is scary yeah it's scary standing yes. out there and being like this is what i think is right especially if you have a crowd 100%. of people who are like no we disagree we are in this but you're out here by yourself so it's really freaking scary and for perfectionists like the fear of disapproval like it's so heightened for perfectionists because as kids we learn to have we learned to control things by being everything basically by like doing everything right by getting good grades by being a good sister by like having the extracurricular activities by like participating in this thing and like singing in that thing or whatever it was um and we actually learn at perfectionism as a coping mechanism <laughs> it's a little bit of a mouthful perfectionism as a coping mechanism whereby that was our way of like never getting rejected never getting abandoned never being by ourselves exactly what you just said like see this fear of like what if i'm alone though and so as kids we learn i'm gonna just try and be as close to perfect as possible because that's the way that i can guarantee to have people around me but we reject ourselves in the process yeah it's crazy it's like your love your version of perfect your definition of perfect that's what you strive to become and i think mm -hmm. i think something that i've been discovering lately is my version of perfect now is my best version of myself like my higher self my most authentic self whatever you yes. want to call it but yeah that, that vision that you have in your head of the person that you want to become like I want to have a $4 million house in Scottsdale. I want to drive a really nice car. I want to be super grounded. I want to have a lot of free time, but also have a multi-million dollar company. I want to be able to take my kids to the zoo, go on vacations, do all these things. Everybody has a, a version in their head of what they want their life to look like, regardless of how big and extraordinary and extravagant it looks, you know? Um, but that that in my thought, I mean, I'm going to ask you in a second, what you think that people can do to start overcoming perfectionism. But for me, that's something that's worked for me is like, okay, instead of idolizing Kim Kardashian and all these other celebrities and like trying to be like them, I'm like, what do I want for my life? Where do I want to go? Like, what is my pinnacle of I freaking made it, you know, and then start working towards that because that's a lot more realistic than like, I'm going to be flying on private jets. Cause I truly, I don't want to be famous. I just want to be able to afford the things that I want to do whenever I want to do them. What can people start doing to overcome perfectionism? Yeah. Okay. So with my clients, I go through a five-step process. I'm super happy to share this with everyone because this is work that you can start and continue like by yourself. Um, 
obviously when you work with a coach you get a little bit faster results because you get that mirror someone mirroring back to you <laughs> sometimes it's easy to see stuff in other people not always the easiest in ourselves and um, but the fact that process is this so the first step is acceptance and this is what I was saying before about how I kind of knew that I was a perfectionist or I had perfectionist tendencies but I didn't accept that it was something that I would like to change so like that is the first step is that you have to let go of the fear of letting go <laughs> of perfectionism. Um, and what we didn't say yet, just to quickly pick up on this, the letting go of perfectionism thing, is that for a lot of us who do have perfectionist tendencies, we attribute a lot of our success to that. And so that's why this first step is like the most scary one in a lot of ways, because it's actually like, well, what the hell am I going to do if I'm not working from a place of perfectionism, which is like, I'm not enough yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. I'm not good enough. Like, you know, the fear, the comparison, the competition, the criticism, all the things that we talked about today. Um, we, if we don't understand that there is another road, that there's another way to do those things, then it's very hard to let go of that. And so that itself is a leap of faith. Like there's no way that you can actually hold this thing until you let go of the other thing. That's why it's so, so difficult and so scary. I think for a lot of us, because it's all we've known. That's what we did in school when we were told like you have to study this thing, you have to do that thing. And we got ourselves through it just by like the discipline, basically it's the discipline. And that's not to say don't become undisciplined. Like discipline is still important, but it's going to work in a different way. Now, now it gets to work in a way that you choose joy. You choose, choose like, not what do I have to do to prove myself to people, but what am I going to do because I want to do it and I genuinely believe in this thing. That's it. It's a subtle difference. But when you start to implement that in just little moments of your life, this is why, so for me, the process went from the ballet studio and then I, I implemented it in other places, but just start in one place. Just notice like where is perfectionism showing up for me right now at the beginning? Like, is it in my job? Is it in my relationship? Is it in my appearance? And just start with, with one thing. Okay, I think that's always the best because it's much easier to implement it once you've done it in one place and you can kind of focus more. Um, so that's the first one, just accepting that it's there. Um, and then once we've accepted it, we're going to start to understand it. And so this is what, we, what you already kind of led us through this process, Lexi, which is, which is really funny as you can tell you're a coach. Because then the question is, well, where does it come from? <laughs> which you already asked us, okay, where does it come from? And then you're just going to look back into your past and be like, okay, I actually remember. And a lot of the times it's going to be where there's shame. So those moments when you're really embarrassed or you felt ashamed, a lot of those for perfectionists are going to be around not being good enough, getting something wrong, making a mistake, looking silly, having people laughing at us, like whether that was in the playground, whether that was in the classroom, whether that was at home. And just going back to those moments of your life and just being like, I hadn't actually done anything wrong. I just didn't have all the information that I needed or I just wasn't ready to do that thing. And it shouldn't have been a judgment on me as a person, which is how it was presented at that time. But actually I was just doing my best. I was just doing my best. And if the other people around me didn't see that my best that I was already doing my best and they were asking me for something more than I could possibly give. That wasn't my fault. And then forgiving ourselves for that. I, I don't want to miss any of the other steps, but this is, this is my real life example of what exactly you were just talking about. So I have this vivid memory in my mind from, I think I was in like third grade, maybe first or third grade. And I remember our classroom was like set up in a horseshoe shape and somebody said that something was better than something else. And I was, I, I piped up and I said, battered is not a word. And they're like, yeah, batter. And they like, were acting like they were mixing something and then like hitting a ball when I actually meant like grammatically bad or like worse, you know, that's yeah. not correct. And now I realize that I have been suppressing myself and the things that I want to say, because that moment when the whole class felt like turned against me and was like, you're wrong. That has been, that's been one of those moments that I've remembered my whole life, but now I'm connecting it to, oh my gosh. Yeah. And these are the things, they're little things. And this is why it's so like, 
we have to be so gracious with ourselves we have to be so gentle with ourselves because these are little things like we're kids but we're constantly just trying to make the world as safe as we can for ourselves and so that these are the lessons like that was lesson you learned I I did a similar thing in a class like a teacher really laughed at me for giving me a stupid answer and I was like I'm never going to give another answer unless I'm 100% sure that it's right because I can't deal with a teacher like correcting me in front of the class and kind of looking stupid um that was just you know and we all have these little moments but it's like we make a decision there and then that actually is going to have a knock-on effect all the way up until we're adults until we go back and revisit it and we're like you know what I was just doing my best that was just the best I could do at that moment and that's what I thought was the best thing that I could offer yeah we get to go back and be like you know what Lexi like you were right it was grammatically incorrect (laughs) and they didn't understand or whatever and I get to go back and be like yeah you made a mistake Natalie but you thought it was this word and it was actually a different word whatever it is um so people can go in and they can go through that process just look for the moments of shame and embarrassment or feeling silly and just acknowledge that you were just doing your best and what else could you have possibly done um step three is to question so now it's kind of like what i was talking about with the acceptance piece but now we're going to go deeper into okay so if i think that i have to be like this and i have to do this thing and i have to reach this goal and i have to do it in this way i'm just going to question all of those things because we take so many things on on assumptions right and we've kind of been talking about this on the cultural level for a lot of ways it's like you know we think that we're doing things the only way that they can be done but actually you just question that for a second you're like oh yeah they're also doing that thing they did it different way and they got a similar result so okay maybe there are multiple realities here instead of just a right and wrong and so this is the questioning part so you can go through depending on what um area of your life you've picked and just go through it and be like am i really sure that this is the only way am i really sure that that's true and just go through the questioning of it and then Step four is retelling. So once we've questioned it, we get to choose a different narrative. And like, you know, this is the the bread and butter of life coaching, basically, which is getting to, you know, overcome the limiting beliefs or heal the narratives that are not serving us to go through like those self-sabotage places. Um, So that's that part. And then the very last part, which is one of my favorites, is the embodiment. And this is sometimes a step that gets missed. But as someone who like needed to do a lot of my own inner body work, um, I know how important it is to then come and it's like I was I was mentioning before about creating this feeling of safety is so important on the healing perfectionism journey because otherwise we're going to go through these steps and we're going to feel like the floor has been taken out from under our feet because we've been walking on perfectionism all this time and so you need to create safety in your body you need to create an awareness of like how you're feeling about this and then you get to also just start to bring like an embodiment into the person that you're stepping into that person has already been there the whole time but now you're stepping into that other version of you and like how does that feel and how does she stand and how does she show up and how does she speak and you won't be able to like always be integrating that person all the time but what does it start to feel like to embody that person even if it's just you in your bedroom by yourself for five minutes in the morning or whatever it is Um, and then you know we start to get familiar with that physical sensations of being that person not only the stories because the stories stay up here and sometimes we miss the integration of them i've done that many times <laughs> and then i realized oh you know i have to hear something three or four times and only on the fourth time do i actually am i actually able to embody it and also that's totally normal so for, for perfectionists right now who are thinking i'm going to do the five steps and they're going to go right the first time because i'm going to do them properly that's not how this works <laughs> <laughs> like you get to you get to jump from step one to four and then back to two and then maybe you come to five the third time go, going through the whole cycle that's totally normal it's totally fine like this is a, an individual journey for every single person who takes it so but those are kind of the five steps that I like to outline. Oh my gosh, that that makes so much sense. And I love what you said also about how you can hear it multiple times. And then maybe the fourth time it actually, you start to understand it and feel it because there's been so many things in my life that people have said to me over and over and over again. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But you know, and then somebody tweaks it a little bit and says it a different way. And then it's like, it's like a truck hits me. It's like, oh my God, I understand now. Like you feel it from like head to toe. It's like, I get it now. I understand, you know? Yeah. And I think in life that happens so many times. We're like, well, why isn't this working? Why isn't this working for me? Why isn't that working? But maybe it's just a little tweak that's needed and it's all that is. Yeah. And then it's going to click. Yeah. And this is also medicine for life coaches as well, which is like to remember that 
some people need to hear it from you because a lot of the time we're perfectionists and we're like, I'm not as good as other life coach. I don't have as many qualifications. I don't have as many years of experience, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, no, sometimes people need to hear the same thing that someone else has said from you because you say it in a way that resonates with them. And so this is also kind of medicine for that. Wow. I think this podcast by far one of my favorites. I mean, we talked about, we talked about what perfectionism is, where it comes from, what it looks like, how it affects your life, how it affects your business. (laughs) Well, we didn't really talk about that. Let's touch on that really quick. Sure. Yes. I mean, so, so many places where this shows up. I actually literally did a post on this today, like a few things that we can look out for. So one of them is going to be coming back to the stop proving start serving keep learning that mantra because like I said we're as perfectionists we're always trying to prove either prove something to ourselves or prove something to someone else who said that we couldn't do it or you know and we all if you're an entrepreneur you've had those people in your life whether they're close to you or further away from you you've had someone who's doubted that you could do this you've had someone that doesn't get it you've had someone that's like this seems really stupid you have someone that said people are going to pay you for that like we've and so we have to let go of that stuff and stop trying to prove to them that we can do it and instead come back and focus on our offerings. What am I actually offering? What can I offer right now? Like, you know, perfectionists also, we quite like to chase qualifications or like courses and all these things. And while they are amazing, um, when we need them, like it's great to do them and we, like, we can learn so much from them. There's also a moment we have to say, I'm going to do some more in the future, but right now, what can I do with what I know right now, this very second? And, you know, it doesn't have to be coaching. Perhaps it's, you know, for me, like in dance, I also had to to get to that point where I was like, oh my goodness, if I want to officially become a Royal Academy of Dance ballet teacher, that's going to be another three years of education. I was like, but I'm a really good dancer. Like this is the stuff that I can teach right now. And I just made that decision to like, I'm going to just start teaching adults how to dance ballet and like people loved it, et cetera. So, you know, and there are different paths that we get to choose, but you already have gifts. Like right now, this very second, wherever you are listening to this podcast, you have gifts to give. Don't wait to make them perfect to start giving them because that's robbing like humanity of the gifts that you're already ready to share. And of course you're going to hone them and of course you're going to grow and of course you're going to get better or integrate them in different ways, of course, but don't stop yourself now from giving those gifts. Um, other things that show up for perfectionists is not asking for help soon enough. <laughs> As perfectionists, we kind of think like I can do this by myself and you can, but you also are another human being with a whole other life as well as your business. And you don't want to have to, you know, lose parts of yourself or burn yourself out or make yourself ill or run yourself down in order to try and prove to yourself. Again, it comes back to proving that you can do everything. Yes. You're very capable. Yes. You're really good at learning. Yes. You've got good grades in school. Yes. Your brain is this and whatever. And you've got a lot of energy. Okay. We get that. Will you just accept that and now ask for help? <laughs> the, the moment when I did um, a, a coaching program, when I took part in a coaching program, was the moment that I actually let myself understand that I needed help in this process. And I don't always need help. Like right now, I don't have a VA, etc. but I'm open to it. And I've done programs and I'm like open to that other kind of support without judging myself that, oh, Natalie, that means that you weren't good enough because you couldn't do it all by yourself. So it's like letting go of those stories as well. Um, and just, for, I mean, there are lots, but just one, one of the little one, which is sometimes we underprice ourselves for the same reasons of like, we still think we're trying to prove, we're still trying to prove to people. So it's like, please come and do this offer with me because like, I promise you I'm really good at it. And uh, here this price, you know, is that okay for you? Is that kind of vibe instead of a, like, this is a gift I'm giving and it's actually your responsibility to get the results. I'm going to support you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to be a mirror for you. But by you paying this slightly higher amount, I know you're showing up for yourself. I know you're invested in this process. I know you really, you know, take this seriously. And that also allows me to be a much better coach because now I'm not coaching every single hour of the day. I get a bit, I get some time to actually do my own research, to actually carry on with my own personal growth. And that makes me a much better coach. So it's, it's finding that balance. So yeah, there's a few little things to be able to take away. Oh my gosh. I love that. And that, I mean, it's focused on entrepreneurs, but I feel like it's really could be applicable to any endeavor you have in your life, career project that you're working on your career. 
anything. Oh my gosh. I just, I think that so we went so deep and so wide. Oh, I love this conversation. I'm so happy that I had you on. Um, yeah. Where can people find you and how can they work with you? Yes. So Natalie or dot co is my Instagram handle. That's my favorite place. Like I also have a website. I'm also on YouTube. I have a podcast. If you just search for Natalie or it's O R R is my surname. Um, you'll find me in the places, but Instagram's my favorite place. Cause I get to actually like, you know, see people and like, I get to talk to you in the DMS and I get to see like, what have you guys got going on in your lives and stuff. And that's always really fun for me. Um, and that's also a place where you can find out about working with me, doing coaching, etc. So Instagram's my fave. <laughs> Same, right. It's like, it's really, like, yeah, it's the best, it's the hub. So thank you yeah. so much and <laughs> my pleasure. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for joining us in the lounge. Don't forget to subscribe, leave some love in the reviews and connect with us on social media. Next week, I'm chatting with Jennifer about building a legacy of wealth through real estate. This is a great episode and one you will not want to miss. So many good nuggets. I will see you here next week.